Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. In our last program, we went over the fourth article of the Apostles' Creed. Jesus Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. We also went over the fifth article. Jesus Christ descended into hell. He rose from the dead on the third day. In today's program, we'll go over articles 6 and 7, 8, and so much of the ninth article, how Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, how he will come from thence to judge the living and the dead, how we believe in the Holy Spirit, that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. These programs are a ministry of the parish, that the word of God might be heard that God might be adored, loved, and praised, that grace might be active in the world, hearts converted. Let us pray. Lord God, deepen our faith, our love for you. Help us to appreciate the saving mysteries of our faith. And in your own good time, gather us all together around your throne in heaven to sing your praises with all the saints. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The sixth article of the Creed, Jesus ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The joke is that we know God the Father Almighty is a left-handy because the Lord Jesus sits on his right hand. That's where the rim shot comes in. The ascension of Christ marks the definitive entry of the humanity of Jesus into the celestial domain of God from where he will come again. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 11 but that from then he is hidden from the eyes of men. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. These conferences, these lectures, these radio programs are based on the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the in brief statements, the definitive entry of the humanity of Jesus. There was a time when the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son, the eternal Word, did not have a human nature. He received his human nature in his incarnation. In his death, the body and soul were separated. In his resurrection, the body and soul reunited. In his ascension, his humanity, which is like ours, body and soul, the ability to know, the ability to love, his humanity gone back to God. He's shown us the way. Where he's gone, we hope to follow. The definitive, never to die again, never to be born again. He was born once for all. He suffered and died once for all. He rose once for all. Now he has entered to the Father's right hand. This image, the scripture and the creed use sitting at the right hand as a sign for sharing of power. We can see it here in these United States. During the State of the Union, when you have the President Pro Tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House sitting side by side, co-equal chambers of the Congress, you see Prince Philip seated next to Queen Elizabeth at the opening sessions of Parliament in England to show how they collaborate, although she is the Queen. Hidden from the eyes of men, the Lord Jesus was a man amongst men, like us in all things but sin, to save us from our sins. He presents himself to us for our adoration in the sacred host of the Holy Eucharist. But what we see looks like bread, smells like bread, tastes like bread. He has taken his human nature to heaven. From thence he intercedes for us. He shows his 
sacred glorified wounds to the eternal father have mercy on them look what i did for them this heightens our hope this sixth article of the creed also reminds us of eschatology the science of the end of time or the beginning of eternity he will come from the right hand of the father again but that's the next article jesus christ head of the church preceded us into the glorious kingdom of the father for us members of his body to live in hope to be one day eternally with him this is a very important passage of the catechism for so often if people say who is the head of your church they will say the pope and it is true the bishop of rome is the visible head of the church on earth but in heaven and on earth the head of the catholic church is jesus christ who gave the keys to peter peter or his successors would not be able to wield the keys if it were not for the lord who gave them to him feed my sheep feed my lambs jesus christ head of the church he preceded us to the glorious kingdom of the father he preceded us implying that we shall follow and if we follow him in fidelity in faithfulness here and now by his grace then we shall follow him gloriously to heaven to be with the eternal son and the eternal father and the eternal spirit all united in communion us members of his body how did we become members of the body of christ by saving baptism by the holy water and the words i baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit this is when we were born again in him we're told that we live in hope to be one day eternally with him we're with him now by lives of grace by lives of holiness by lives of prayer and service in heaven we're with him eternally that day which never ends hope is a theological virtue a longing for heaven not only for ourselves but for our beloved dead and even for our enemies jesus christ has entered once for all into the sanctuary of heaven interceding without ceasing for us as the mediator who assures us in permanent effusion of the holy spirit christ entered once for all as he was born once for all as he suffered and died once for all now he has ascended entering into heaven in his human nature which he never left in his divine nature once for all the sanctuary of heaven distinct from the sanctuaries here on earth our lady the blessed virgin mary gave him sanctuary for his first nine months of human life in her womb in the tabernacles of our church kept in the sanctuaries of our church how many of the christian people in our city and state they refer to the whole church building as a sanctuary these all in preparation for that sanctuary not made by human hands which is heaven where we long to be from whence the lord jesus intercedes for us without ceasing don't stop till you get enough we can never get enough of his intercession with his prayer for us to the eternal father have mercy on them forgive them they know not what they do this prayer 
not only uttered on Good Friday by the Lord Jesus, but as long as we need it, may we heed it. Christ Jesus, the mediator who assures us a permanent effusion or outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Sacred Scripture reminds us that there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. However, this man was born of the Virgin Mary, and in that sense, she brought him to us. That's a mediation. You're hearing my voice on the radio. There's mediation there. Please, God, my words encourage faith in your hearts. Perhaps you'll tell someone today or tomorrow or both about the love of the Lord, about the truth of the gospel. Then the Lord, who alone is the one mediator, will have you and I in this radio mediating his grace and truth, his salvation. But anything we would do, anything we do do, anything we could do, only possible because of his one mediatorship. Wasn't the law given through Moses? Is that a mediation which we can recognize? How many of the prophets of old God used them to speak to us? And now he uses us to speak to others. Only possible by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised us by the Lord. I will send you another paraclete. Without the Spirit, we cannot say, Abba, Father. We cannot say, Jesus is Lord. It is from his place on high that the Lord Jesus, together with the Father, sends the Spirit into the world. Not only on the 50th day from his resurrection, Pentecost, but even until he should return in glory. The seventh article of the Apostles' Creed is, From thence he, Jesus, Christ shall come to judge the living and the dead. Christ the Lord reigns again by the church. But all things of this world are not yet submitted to him. The triumph of the kingdom of Christ will not be without a last assault of the powers of evil. The last Sunday in the church's liturgical year in the new calendar is celebrated as Christ the King Sunday. The last Sunday in October, in the old calendar, in the Missal of Blessed John the 23rd, is celebrated Christ the King. Christ the Lord reigns again, even still, by the church. The church is the kingdom of God in seed, not yet fully realized, not all yet submitted to him, to his gentle yoke. Let us pray for the spread of the kingdom, the spread of the gospel, the spread of the church. Even when our Lord walked the face of this earth during his 33 or so years of life on this earth, not all were converted to him. And so even in spite of our best missionary efforts, even in spite of all the grace at our disposal, all may not yet be converted to him. But for this we pray, and for this we work with him to his glory and our salvation and theirs. The triumph of the kingdom of Christ will not be without a last assault of the powers of evil, that is, the power of sin, the power of Satan, the devil. 
whenever I sin or you sin, we are collaborating with the wrong team. But whenever I repent and whenever you repent, we are working with God's grace. We're resisting the assault of the powers of evil. When we stand up for whatever is good and true and right and beautiful, we are resisting those assaults of the powers of evil, which are prevalent in our day. Read the newspapers, listen to the radio, turn on the television news, browse the web and see the murders, see the violence, the mayhem, the crime, the theft, immorality of all sorts. These are assaults of the power of evil, which by our baptism we are called to resist. On the day of judgment, at the end of the world, Christ will come in glory to accomplish the definitive triumph of good over evil, which, like the grain and the tear, dawn increases together throughout the course of history. When the Catechism speaks to us about the day of judgment, this reminds us of two judgments, the particular judgment, when I die, I get to meet the Lord face to face, I get the thumbs up or the thumbs down, was I ready to meet him, was I repentant for my sins, was I well confessed, was I in his grace, or was I rebellious, did I die in my sins. This is the particular judgment. The day of judgment, the last judgment, the final judgment does not reverse that first sentence. It just makes it public, makes it known. When I was just a little boy, my father died. God rest his soul. He knows where he is. I do not know where he is. I pray in God's mercy he is in heaven. I fear in God's justice he may not be. I would be a wicked son if I did not pray for him. I pray God be merciful to him and us. I know of the mercy of God, the love of God, and this is part of my hope and my joy. On the day of judgment at the end of the world, there was a song some years ago, it's the end of the world as we know it. And this is a reference to eschatology. We know not the day nor the hour, but we should be ready. Christ will come in glory. When he first came, it was as a babe in Bethlehem, unseen, unheard. Oh, sure, some shepherds. Oh, sure, some wise men. Even some centurions and governors in an outlying district of the Roman Empire. But when he returns in glory, the angels accompanying him, all will see and all will know and all shall receive their recompense. May we be ready. Christ will come in glory to accomplish the definitive triumph over good and evil. There is such a thing as good. There are things which are evil. We are to do good and avoid evil or repent evil if we do do it. Virtue is a stable disposition to do good even with joy and ease, even in the face of difficulty. In the Gospels, a young man approaches the Lord Jesus and says, Good teacher, what good must I do to be saved, to inherit everlasting life? 
And when the Lord Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? It is not denying his own goodness, his own divinity. He is calling forth for faith from this young man who went away sad, for he loved his possessions more than he loved God. The definitive triumph of good over evil will not occur until that last day. The Lord struggled in his life, and he calls us to struggle ourselves by his grace to his glory and our salvation. Our good deeds accompany us. The one who dies with the most toys still dies, but the one who dies having shared his toys, being generous, the one who dies not having envied his neighbor's toys, the one who dies having given thanks to God for the toys and times of play, it may go well with them in God's mercy. That is our hope. That is our faith. Our Lord allows the grain or the wheat and the and the the thistle, the bramble, the weed, to grow side by side. St. Augustine has a beautiful figure about this. Saints and sinners side by side, sitting in the same pews, receiving the same sacraments, hearing the same word of God. Yet do we all accept the grace, the word, the truth of faith? Side by side, one will be taken and one will be left. Which will we be? Let us pray we will be the grain, we will be the good wheat, bearing sixty, a hundredfold for the Lord. The grain and the tear, they increase throughout the course of history. May we be on the right side of this divide. May we be on the Lord's side of history. In coming at the end of time to judge the living and the dead, the glorious Christ reveals the secret disposition of hearts and gives to each man according to his works and according to his welcome or refusal of grace. Christ will come at the end of time to judge the living and the dead. We can fool some of the people some of the time, but we can't fool God any of the time. This judge... Christ, our judge, is a judge unlike any other. He knows perjury when he sees or hears it. He who neither deceives nor can be deceived can read the depths of our hearts, and he does, and he wishes us well, and he wishes us good, and he calls us to do well and good that we might share glory with him in his mercy. When the Catechism speaks to us of the glorious Christ, it reminds us also that there was an inglorious time, seemingly. His shameful death on the cross, accursed is he who hangs on the tree. His ignoble birth in a stable where I was born. There were doctors and nurses air conditioning, fine lighting, a good hospital. And our Lord had the ox 
and the ass looking on. Laying in a manger with swaddling clothes. When he returns in glory, and he will return in glory, it will be glorious to behold. The secret disposition of our hearts. I might say all the good things. I might do all the good things. But am I just going through the motions? Or do I believe with all my heart? You and I, we are called to not only do the good and say the good, but to believe the good and to be good. Giving to each according to his works. Have I worked well for God? Have I worked well for my neighbor? Have I accepted God's grace? Or have I refused it? The eighth article of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The proof that you are sons is that God has sent into our hearts the spirit of his Son, which cries, Abba, Father. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Here we see again that Catholics are not only Bible Christians, Galatians uh, 4, verse 6, but we read this passage of Scripture quoted in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is an instrument of tradition, which is an instrument of the magisterium. These three, Scripture, tradition, and magisterium, stand or fall together, not unlike the Holy Trinity, God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. We are sons in the Son, adopted children of heaven, From the beginning to the consummation of time, the fullness of time, the completion of time, the end of time, the eschatology of which we spoke a moment ago, when God sends his Son in glory, in glory will be at the consummation, he sent the Son in the fullness of time, he, the Eternal Father, always sends his Spirit. Their mission is joined and inseparable. Some years ago there was... Uh, Karuner who sang unforgettable here we are told that the mission of the eternal son and the mission of the eternal spirit joined and inseparable how was the Lord Jesus conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit how is it that we cry out Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit in the fullness of time, the Holy Spirit accomplished in Mary all the preparation for the coming of Christ in the people of God. By the action of the Holy Spirit in her, the Virgin Mary, the Father gave the world Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. The Son of God is consecrated Christ, Messiah, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit in his incarnation. Psalm 2, verses 6 through 7. By his death and resurrection, Jesus is constituted, he is made, Lord and Christ in glory. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. From his fullness, he breathes the Holy Spirit on the apostles and the church. Remember that night of Pentecost. He breathes on them. It's not just the tongues of fire. It's not just the shaking of the walls, it's the breath of God 
which we saw in the opening verses of Genesis, going across the waters and then going across the saving waters of baptism. He breathes the Holy Spirit on the apostles and on the church. The Holy Spirit, as it were, the soul of the church. The church which is alive, the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit that Christ the head breathes in his members, builds, animates, and sanctifies the church. Without the Spirit, the church doesn't grow. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is not alive. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is not holy, but the church has the Spirit, and she is holy. The church has the Spirit, and she is alive. The church has the Spirit, and she grows. This Spirit, sent by the Eternal Father and the Son, not only on Pentecost, but even until he should return in glory. The Holy Spirit is the sacrament of communion of the Holy Trinity and men, us, boys and girls, men and women of every age, of every place, of every time. The ninth article of the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a long presentation in the Catechism. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It will take us three sessions at least to cover them. So we'll begin today and continue next time. <clears throat> the word church signifies convocation. Kahil Yahweh means assembly of God. The convocation, God called us together. It, the word church, designates the assembly of those that the word of God convokes to form the people of God. And the people of God of old, Israel, now Mother Church who, nourished by the body of Christ, the Eucharist, becomes themselves the body of Christ, Mother Church. The Church is at once the way and the end of the design of God. Prefigured in creation, prepared in the ancient alliance, the Old Covenant, alliance is the French for covenant, alliance, founded by the words and actions of Jesus Christ, given us in the Gospels, they give us the words and deeds of the Lord, realized by his redemptive cross and his resurrection, not just the cross, not just his resurrection, but both, and both mysteriously, mystically made present in the Mass, she, Mother Church, is manifested as mystery of salvation by the effusion, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. She, Mother Church, will be consummated, completed, in the glory of heaven as the assembly of all the redeemed of earth. Revelation chapter 14, verse 4. So important for us to see these words, to hear these words. The church is a mystery, just like God is a mystery, just like each one of us a mystery. We can look in the mirror, we can see our eyes, we know how tall we are, how much we weigh, where we went to school, who are parents are, we know so much about ourselves, but we do not know ourselves exhaustively. We know so much about God, but we do not know God exhaustively. If we look at Mother Church as if she is only a human institution, our eyesight is worse than that of poor Mr. Magoo, myopic. 
the church is like Christ, both human and divine. Divine in her founder, divine in her goal, divine in her means. Human in her founder, who is Christ, true God and true man. Human in her members, us. The church is at once visible and spiritual. Not just one, not just the other, both together at the same time. A hierarchical society in the mystical body of Christ. She is one, formed of a double element, human and divine. This is her mystery that only faith can welcome. Until next time, God bless you.